Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Nichols is with us tonight. She is the co-author of Chicken Soup for the African American Soul. She is a dynamic motivational speaker and powerful advocate of personal empowerment and emotional healthiness uh, who has uh, commanded the attention of over 200,000 people with her heartfelt no-holes-barred messages. And I believe that number might be a little bit low. Lisa Nichols delivers powerful and thought-provoking seminars to standing room only audiences of women empowerment groups, uh, entrepreneurs, investors, parents, educators, juvenile justice employees, and adult youth advocates. Her real messages are filled uh, with powerful energy, uh, personal testimonies, and eye-opening interactive processes. She is known not to leave a dry eye in the house, and I can attest to that as a result of speaking with her earlier today, <laughs> and I will share that later in the call. Her uh, comfort with... Um, with herself comes across effectively as she moves the audiences uh, towards giving themselves permission to be completely comfortable with who they are. Lisa was born and raised in Los Angeles uh, and loves to dance, swim, skate, write, play, uh, and, and play uh, laser tag. What is laser tag? Oh, my God. It's so fun. It's when you get to play like you're in Star Wars. Oh, my God. I got to play that. I got to try that out. <laughs> That's a date. That's a date. Uh, she... <laughs> And she also likes to read thought-provoking books. She lives with her, uh, as she and her nine-year-old son, uh, Jelani. Yes. Yeah, also live in Los Angeles, California. Welcome, sweetheart. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am looking forward to this, and I have been. Well, let me tell you, uh, I met uh, you here in Chicago uh, through the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman when you spoke uh, here at our, at our home church. And uh, you were accompanied by uh, the phenomenal Mark Victor Hansen, and you were uh, promoting Chicken Soup for the African-American Soul. I believe you guys sold out of 500 books in the entire process, which was absolutely incredible. Your talk moved me so much. Not only did we sell out of 500 books, we sold out of 500 books in 15 minutes. Hello, caller. <laughs> that's incredible. Hello, caller. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's when you, um, you know, what's the definition of, of being enrolled and inspired? That's when people run to get more of you, and that's what I think we all want to do. And so, you know, we were able to deliver a message that day that touched hearts, I believe. It touched minds, but it touched the hearts first. And so people wanted to get more of that experience, and so, um, so we had a phenomenal day. Well, I know I had an awesome day and uh, had, had a chance to caucus with you after the uh, uh, book signing frenzy. I don't know if uh, your, your fingers got numb there, but that was a lot of books to sign, honey. Well, you know, I signed uh, over 8,300 books so far, and I haven't had one day where my fingers uh, ache at all. Wow. You should write a book about that. <laughs> you know what? You know what it will be called? It will be 
called Living in Your Divine Purpose? Hello, caller. Absolutely. No pain. Absolutely. So when I when I uh, talk with you, one of the things that came up, uh, we started talking about relationships, and we started talking about the healing uh, of relationships, and we had a phenomenal conversation, uh, both live and also on the phone, as a result of, of, of preparing and putting together this call tonight. Now, you had told me on the call uh, to write this down. You said, drive the people you love the most, or the ones who get on your nerves the most, most to this call. What did you mean by that? <laughs> well, you know, everything in life and every experience in life with someone else is a relationship. We have a tendency to just consider relationships man-woman, uh, our, our, our intimate, you know, partner. Um, but relationships are anyone. Relationships are mother-daughter, uh. son, you know, husband-wife, uh, friends. And so those you love the most that you want to engage in healthy relationship with, healthy relay with, uh, and they're wonderful in your life, then I'd say have them on this call so you guys can take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. But there are also those who you, you just don't get, they don't get you, and all that gets is that they get on your nerves. <laughs> Let's just tell the truth. If that's the case, then there's something missing in the niche. There's some place where you guys aren't clicking. There's something rigid in the relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's you, I'm not saying it's them, but there's something that's not fitting in the relationship, and it's not the person. We often want to change the person. Mm. It's never the person. It's our response to the person. Mm -hmm. we, can respond, we can respond differently and get a very different outcome. And so um, if they're getting on you know, put them on the call. Let's talk about how we uh, relay with each other and how can we build on a better relay, even if it's great now, how can we take it to the next level? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking on that next level, what is your overall philosophy on relationships? Um, my overall philosophy on relationships is um, that the relationship that I'm in, the way that it's operating, um, I own 50% of that success mm, or that failure. Okay, all right, on both sides. I own 50%. I own 50% of that success uh, or that lack thereof of success in that situation. Um, because, and, and, and I have to say this, every, re every relationship, and, and I'll speak particularly of intimate relationship because that's where a lot of us are interested. Mm -hmm. Every relationship isn't supposed to end up uh, together forever, always. Mm. There's some relationships that, you know, Yala Vazan says, you know, there's three types of relationships. There's a lifetime relationship where no matter what you do, you guys are going to be together forever. Mm -hmm. I don't care if he gets on your nerves, you get on his nerves, you're going to get this. You're going to be together forever. It's just meant to be. It's just going to happen. And then there's a large group of relationships that are life-giving relationships, meaning that you met this person to spark something in you. You met this person to be reminded of something in you. You came in contact with this person, even if it was so you can see the resiliency you have mm. and, what it, and what it took to get out of that relationship, mm -hmm. even, if, even if it's so you can fight for your self-worth, even if there's a purpose in that relationship that it gave you life. It gave you, it put a spark back in you. And then there's a third type of relationship that the majority of us are in that we struggle with because we're trying to make it one of the other two. Mm -hmm. We're trying to make it a lifetime. The third type of relationship is the purposeful relationship. Mm. And that's a relationship that was put together. You and that person were brought together for a purpose, for a reason, for a season. Mm -hmm. And once that purpose is fulfilled, nothing you can do will keep you guys together because the purpose has been fulfilled. Wow. It's called a, it's called a purpose.
purposeful relationship full of purpose. Now, the challenge is that many people are in a purposeful relationship. It's served its purpose, and the relationship just can't stay together. It's served its purpose already, and we're trying to make it a lifetime relationship. Fascinating. And the purpose has already been served, and so it's really important to find out where do you fit, where does that relationship fit. And i got to tell you this, and, and, and you know I'm going to be very honest with you. You know I'm very candid mm-hmm. about what's up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never been married, so I've had, I've dated. You know, I'm, I'm 38. I've dated. You know, I, I put my time in. <laughs> you paid your dues. Girls put her time in. You know, I got some houses on my people. So, uh, and some of those relationships, i got to be honest with you and say, I wasn't complete about it. I still ask the question, why? i got to tell you something. Why is the most asked question, universal, in every different language, uh, all over the country? People ask, why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why, why, why? Mm-hmm. So, and people are feel incomplete until they get that answer. Well, guess what? There's not going to be a UPS delivery guy delivering answers <laughs> to all your past relationships. And so we have to find out why things happen. So one of the best things for me was when I heard those three types of relationships, a lifetime, a life, uh, a life-giving, and a purposeful. And the fact that the majority of the relationships are purposeful, and we wanted to make them more than that. Mm. So I, be- I began to look back in my history, and I began to look at each relationship that I felt was incomplete, and why did it occur, why did he hurt me, why did it end, why did it whatever, why did I walk away? And I began to look at what happened to me, how did I grow, how did I expand inside of that relationship, and then I began to understand why that the purpose for that particular relationship. You know, the purpose for my son's father was that I have a beautiful son. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't he wasn't supposed to be my husband, mm-hmm. but the purpose was already fulfilled. That's, and, and, and whether that's right or wrong, no, and, and people don't have to agree with me, but I'm much more peaceful now that I put a purpose on every relationship that's been in my life that didn't that did, that's not that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. the lifetime one hasn't come yet, so I get to have reason and purpose for each one existing that leaves me feeling whole and complete, and not as if something were ta- were taken away from me. Now that is absolutely incredible, very profound. So the question then I would ask you after that is, what what have you what has been one of the most um, growth rich experiences you've had? Uh, in your past relationships, what did you learn the most? <clears throat> well, watch what you ask for. <laughs> okay. Um, I learned. Um, I learned when I was in a relationship that ter- that was emotionally abusive. I didn't even know I was being emotionally abused. Mm. Um, and when I realized that I was being emotionally abused. And I realized that I didn't want to be with this person anymore. Mm-hmm. I was five months from my wedding. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, so I I had a little dilemma going on because I was five months from my wedding. He had moved three thousand miles to the West Coast to be with me. Wow! And um, so when I made indications that I wanted to get out, I thought we should postpone uh, the wedding. Uh, <laughs> he became physically abusive. Mm. So 
what I realized was that two weeks before he came into my life, he was so obsessed and obsessed with me, he couldn't see straight. I mean, his life was wrapped around me, so interwoven that I could barely breathe. He was suffocating me um, and, 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 and imposing his unhealthiness onto me. That's what put my attention at first, that he loved me so hard and so deep it was unhealthy. Mm. And, then, and then when he saw that I was backing away, he became began to do things that we would call crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy folk do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it escalated to him picking, well, it escalated to me waking up 3.30 in the morning to his fingers wrapped around my throat. Mm. And then he picked me up and threw me three feet across the room because he could not see himself without me. What I learned, when you ask what did I learn, two weeks before I met him, I prayed, prayed to God that he sent me a man that loved me more than anything. Uh, God sent me a man that loves me more than anything. I mean, he loves me more than the stars and the moon and the sun. He loves me more than anything. So what message, what, what have I learned from a past relationship? That I need to be very conscious of what I pray for. Amen. I, I need to be very responsible. And God loves clarity. Mm, yes. I need to be clear. I, I didn't ask for him to love God. I didn't ask for that at all. I asked for him to love me. I didn't ask for him to have to be in his right, in his sound mind and body. Yes, yes. I didn't ask for any of that. Yes. And sometimes we have to get lessons so that we understand what we're drawing to ourselves. So what have I, what's the biggest thing I've learned? One was that I needed to learn how to pray and pray clearly. The second thing that I learned was that anyone in my life, man or in other relationships, they're only going to love me to the degree in which I'm loving myself. Mm. They are only going to respect me to the degree in which I'm respecting myself. Yes. They're only going to honor me to the degree in which I'm honoring myself. It is unrealistic and it is unfair for me to ask someone to come in my life and love me more than I'm loving myself, to honor me more than I'm honoring myself, to lift me up more than I'm lifting myself. It is unrealistic and unfair for me to borrow somebody else's love. My God. When I don't have it, when I don't have it myself. So what I learned that? was that any way I've ever been treated mm-hmm. was only a re- re- only a reflection of how I was treating myself and allowing myself to be treated. And I know a lot of women say, no, Lisa, you don't know. I was treated really horrible, and I wouldn't have treated myself that way. Well, guess what? I raised my bar right now. I treat myself like royalty. Mm. And, and somehow, I only draw kings into my presence. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta I, love it. Now, now, many many people look at me, many men look at me, but I tell you, I gotta, just got to tell you guys, if they're not king status, somehow they will look at me and watch me from a distance. Mm. And, I, and I love you, brother, and I'm all right with that. Won't come in your aura. They just they won't just, come in your space. No, they just don't. I don't ever say don't. I don't ever say not. They just honor me, love me. They may come up and give me some accolades, and they step right back. It is those who stand in my space, who are in my intimate space, and I don't say I don't, I don't mean intimate like intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, but in my intimate circle within reach. Those are kings, always, mm. always. And it's only been I got it. This is not. It's something I've been doing for years. This is like the last a year and a half, two years. Is that right? Oh, yeah, right? very new. Now, I went on a hiatus 
for about five years and didn't date, didn't interact with men, because, I, and i got to tell you why, because I looked up and I have been working hours, entrepreneur, CEO, and mama, and I've been doing all this stuff for other people that I really didn't really know who I would be giving when I would give them Lisa. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to be fully ready for, for ideally my husband, and so I want to get to know me. So I had to step out of any relationships because you get caught up, and I, get, I can get caught up in being who I think you like or being who, who right. I think connects with you the most. Mm-hmm. So I put myself on a relationship time out. I, compl- I did the time out like the coaches do. <laughs> time out. Like, you know, like, like, the, like the football coach do from the, from the side. That's right. <laughs> time out, time out. I put myself on a time out, and then I begin to study what intimacy really was. And I begin to study not intimacy with another person, mm-hmm. but intimacy with myself first. So here's what I get. Intimacy is not about me and you, me and another person. Intimacy is about into me, I see. Mm. Yeah. Go, girl. In I'm not mad at you. Me, okay, into me, I see. And once I've seen into me, then I can invite you to see into me, too. I cannot believe we've got this much in 20 minutes. I mean, we. this is absolutely incredible. Diamond, diamonds, diamonds. I told you I was coming with my with, with my love. With you, love you were serious? Me. You weren't playing with nobody? You know why? Because I decided that I'm going to give myself permission yes. to be fully expressed, even at the risk of offending or someone else not liking me. Yes. I've never offended with the intent. But I need to be fully expressed and honest with Lisa. Yes. I don't want to go to bed another night saying, I should have said this. Mm-hmm. I should have said this. I told him how. I don't want to go another to bed another night. I have held my tongue, bit my tongue, saw blood sometimes. I've held my tongue so much. <laughs> but I don't want to do that anymore. Yes. I don't want to do that because I am not guaranteed tomorrow morning. God, I hope I get it. But if I'm not, I want to say tonight on that call, I gave him my all. I Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Now, in the beginning of the call, you talked about the 50-50. You own 50% of the, of the failure and you own 50% of the success. Correct. Talk to me about accountability uh, in a relationship and also being vulnerable in a relationship. You say both of those are essential. Absolutely. Um, accountability, one brings vulnerability. When you start owning stuff, you it, when you really own it, mm-hmm. you own things. In, inside of owning, you own the, the junk about you. There's, there, we all, we're all on the journey to get to, you know, this thing called bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll ever be perfect. Mm-hmm. And if so, we wouldn't even know what it looks like mm-hmm. um, because we're looking through our own eyes. So our, our own issues are projected onto other people. That's right. And so, being accountable is saying, listen, that, that's my stuff that I'm imposing onto you, and I would never do that. I used to think, you know, I, I'm going to say something that's going to probably step on a, a few sisters' toes or on the line, but it's okay. This is my stuff, y'all. This is your y'all, car, baby. Y'all just tell the truth anywhere y'all want to do it. I'm going to tell the truth quicker right now. So I, I would always say, girl, I just keep running to all these dogs. I'm, running, I'm meeting all these dogs. I'm meeting all these dogs. This man was a dog. Oh, girl, no, he wasn't any good. He was a dog. One day I had to stop and ask myself, well, Lisa, why do you keep going and getting a man in the dog pound? <laughs> out. Out. If they were all dogs, why are you searching in the dog pound? Mm. What does that say about you? And 
what you feel you're, you're worth. Mm-hmm. Now, now, don't get me wrong. The dogs had on some wonderful double-breasted, you know, Hugo Boss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're not scruffling. Mm-hmm. They're not scruffy dogs. Right, right. They're like TLC saying, I don't want no scrubs. They're not scrubs. No, no, no. They're, they're, they're chocolate thoroughbreds. <laughs> <laughs>
the audience a little uncomfortable mm. because it causes you to kind of look at your stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you have? Did you? Were you able to get the book? I was not able to. It's uh, out of. It's out of town. <laughs> so I did not. So here's what occurred. I asked. I did a call out to black men when I was collecting stories, and asked them to. <clears throat> To, I, I'm looking for a story from a black man apologizing to black women. Uh, and I got some emails back, but they weren't apologies. <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell y'all about them emails. That's, that's another call. That's a whole other call. And I said, I would like a black man to apologize to black women on behalf of every other black man that hasn't lifted her up as a queen that she is. Not because I think a black man needs to apologize, because maybe, maybe that's so. But what I really wanted to do it for was so that the sisters, we could heal and we can let go of that hurt mm-hmm. and that we can feel acknowledged and that we can stop making the current man in our lives or the next man in our lives pay for the last man's choice. Mm. Yes. Now you talked to me about that earlier in the call, in the earlier today, and you read me a, pa- a passage, or no, you read you read me a chapter that literally brought tears to my eyes, and I, I was so emotionally moved by it. Um, and that was the next page, I believe, because I believe the one you're talking about is on page 218. Right. Um, page 218 is the story called Sister, I'm Sorry. And then you told me another one about that uh, a story that was on page 219. So either one that you would like to share with us, if you wish to do so tonight, I would be more than honored, and I'm sure the listeners would be absolutely blown away by it. Okay. Would you like me to, I, I can do a, a shorter piece that covers a little bit of both so that it, it, you, we can fill up both sides. We can serve the um, the men on the call and a, and a little and, and the women also. Is that okay? Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. This first piece is called Sister, I'm Sorry. And it's a, it's a story talking about a man who had produced a video called Sister, I'm Sorry. And, you know, he actually lives in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Huskinson, mm-hmm. and he produced this video called Sister, I'm Sorry, and he was at a conference, and this woman asked him, so, Greg, why did you produce the video? And he froze for a moment, and he, you know, didn't want to give an answer that can get him in trouble, mm-hmm. uh, and he said it was sort of like that question, honey, does my butt look big in these pants? <laughs> you know, that, that he, he didn't want to didn't have the wrong answer and go into verbal judo with this woman, but he, but he also wasn't ready to become vulnerable mm-hmm. also, so it's funny you should say that. So he started giving off this lightweight psycho babble, you know, answer about men are from Mars, women are from Venus, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. At, the end, at the end of the day, the heightened awareness and better communication will help us to create a paradigm shift, so to say, that will blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. he, said, he said she kind of bought it and went, oh, okay. And he said he thought he had gotten away until the dark of the night. And I want all the sisters on the call to hear this. The dark of the night, uh, there was something that he realized he didn't say. His heart was saying that he should have said more. That he, that she asked what was he sorry for. Mm-hmm. And you know, what was he personally sorry about? He said, I struggled through the night, turning and tossing, until a voice said, answer with your heart not your head. That made it much easier. Relax, release, speak. I'm sorry, sister, that my fear of intimacy made me close my heart to you. 
making it impossible for us to build a relationship based on unconditional trust, respect, and love. I'm sorry, sister, that my personal ambitions and selfish interests sidelined you when you should have been attended to and revered and exalted. I'm sorry, sister, that I was not more honest about who I was and what I wanted, forcing you to guess how to best satisfy me, Mm. best fulfill me, and how to love me. Sister, I'm sorry that I was not more focused on your passions, more patient with your ways, and more gentle with your heart. Sister, I'm sorry in the end that I have not listened to you enough, kissed you enough, embraced you enough, or nurtured you enough, that I have not loved you enough. I'm sorry that I have not been on my J-O-B as a black man. And it goes on to say, that's what I should have said to that sister when she asked, what was I sorry for? Wow. And so when I read that story, I read it as an editor. I had on my editing hat. Mm-hmm. Something something bizarre happened when I was reading it. At the end of the story, I realized my paper was wet. Mm. So I, re- I read it again, and I realized my paper was even more saturated with my tears. And to, I kid you not, I had no idea that I had so much unresolved in me. And so I took the piece of paper, and I moved away from the computer, and I went and sat on the couch and I read it again and allowed myself to read it as a woman. And then I just allowed myself to cry and to heal. And then I felt compelled that I needed to write a story back. I needed to be accountable. This man had been accountable for the, the times that he had fallen short. And, I, and, the, and he had gifted me with the feeling of healing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, if, if sisters just read this story and, and forgave their exes and their fathers and their sons and their brothers, then wow, how would we relay differently? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, need, and I need to be accountable. I need to, I need to apologize for something. Now, when I do this apology, a lot of times the men feel shocked because they've never heard an apology like this, and the women feel shocked because they say, how could she dare raise the bar that high for us? <laughs> but this is just my stuff. <laughs> this story is called I Owe You an Apology on page 214 in the book, and it, it just talked about how on the front end it talks about how I was sitting around my sister friends and we uh, we were chatting and we segue into our R&D, relationship drama, and how I I was leading the pack with my male drama his, historical reenactment of Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> I talked about how, you know, when I was 18, I was intrigued with guys, and by the time I was 21, they were using uh, the word, uh, I love you, to spend the night, but I could never get them to stay for breakfast. <laughs> by the time I was 25, I was we were both in the, game, in the game. They were out to get theirs, and I was out to get mine. And we're going on, yeah, you go, girl. We don't need them anyway. They ain't worth the $2 bill. Don't you know that? Yeah, girl. You know, they're just intimidated by our strength anyway. And all of a sudden, in the middle of everything, I felt a churning in my stomach, a queasiness that was indescribable. I felt like I'd been given a spoonful of castor oil. Mm. I felt like I, I, I didn't know I was becoming sickened by my conversation. What we were saying about black men, our black men, somehow I had to stop. This voice was in my head saying, what have you done to them, Lisa? What is your role in your miserable B-movie? Mm. What's 
What should you apologize for? Oh, I got scared by this time. I've been leading the pack with the pity. I could have gotten the pity party award. And here I am wanting to change, switch directions. I didn't know what was going to happen, but what happened next blew my mind. I expected the next words to come out of my mouth to be something along the, along the lines of, yeah, girl, we don't need them anyway. We just, you know, we need to do our own thing. And to my surprise, the next words that came out of my mouth were an apology. And it went like this. <clears throat> I apologize for allowing my insecurities about my shape my hair or my skin to be projected onto you, blaming you for my lack, lack of self-love. Black man, I apologize for judging you when I should be providing you with unconditional love. I apologize for pressuring you to adapt to corporate America by my standards instead of allowing you to find your own way and encouraging you to keep on going. Black man, I apologize, I so apologize for not hearing you when you said you just wanted to be friends, assuming that I could in fact change your mind, then blaming you for misleading me. Black man, I apologize for prioritizing my career or business over you, causing you to feel devalued, dismissed, and hurt. I apologize for talking and yelling at you more than listening to you and allowing you to fully express what's on your mind. Oh, black man, I apologize for not being that one safe space where you can let down your guard, stop fighting the world for just a minute, and just be you with me. I apologize, black man, for forgetting that you are a king, a descendant of royalty, a survivor, a builder, a confidant, a creator, an entrepreneur, and you are a friend. And that I am your queen, acknowledging you, supporting you, and encouraging you, and loving you. And I ended my apology by saying, black man, you are my partner in this journey. And I so owe you an apology for forgetting your importance to me. I am honored to be by your side, and any other message I give you is simply untrue. Mm. Every time I hear that, I just well up inside. It's such a powerful piece because men, black man, white man, any kind of man, is right. not used to hearing that. And I remember right. you telling me that um, when you first read that uh, to a public audience, uh, a gal came up to you who was white, and she said, how can I use this? This is absolutely incredible. And she was overcome with right. emotion as well. Right. Uh, it, it's happened over and over again. And uh, apologies and forgiveness transcend culture. Absolutely. So this is applicable for anyone. She Absolutely. She words accordingly. This woman came up to me and said, I was going to buy one book, but now I want to buy five books. Mm. But, but I need to go home tonight, and I want to apologize to my husband. How do I do that? I said, just read the story. She said, but you may have noticed I'm white and my husband's white. <laughs> I said, well, then just take out, take out the word uh, black man. There you go. <laughs> and, and just put in what you need to put in. Wow. And so, so, uh, so it, can be, uh, it can be accountable for anyone. Now, Yolanda Torrance, who could not be on this call, she sent a question in, and uh, she was kind of paraphrasing Marianne Williamson when, when she said, you know, you enter into relationships to meet yourself, uh, and you talked about that tonight. We talked about some of the uh, internal healing 
uh, processes. And so the question is, how do you attract a relationship that does not need healing? Oh, I love that question. Mm. I love that question. You attract a relationship that does not need healing by coming to the relationship healed. Mm. You're going to attract you. So when you do the work on you and you're constantly in accountability, you're constantly in vulnerability, you're constantly in honesty, and you're bringing forth a more full and complete you, you are going to draw to you some someone that's more whole and complete. Will you have disagreements? Heck yeah. <laughs> Will you get on each other's nerves? Heck yeah. But you're going to draw to you a more whole and complete individual because they're going to be a reflection of you. Even if they're opposite, they, you like you like water, they like snow. You like sun, they like the steel, the essence of who they are. You notice how when people are, are in an unhealthy cycle, mm-hmm. they look they look for people in that same unhealthy cycle. Mm-hmm. Even when you don't know you're unhealthy. Yeah. I didn't know I was unhealthy eight years ago when I drew in my ex-fiance. But what I realized was that I was so blinded to loneliness that I was living inside of uh, fear and desperation and scarcity. Mm-hmm. And when you live inside scarcity and, 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 and deprivation, you pretty much accept anything. Now, you know, of course, I have my outer parameters. They have to be have a suit, have a job, have a, you know, da da Right. But, but emotionally, I mean, anything walked up in my life. Mm, now, that's very interesting. Uh, so, we have so a tendency I, to look at the, the outside, but we don't have the characteristics of what we want uh, from the wow. person on the inside. Oh, wow. And that was so my stuff. I mean, I just, you know, uh, I, you know, I had a profile of the man that I wanted, and it, and it didn't include, you know, he was he was over six feet, he was over 200, and he, you know, had a job. Well, what about the character, Lisa? Yes. What about the integrity, Lisa? What about loving God more than you, Lisa? What about, I hadn't worked on that. So now, as I'm more whole and complete, my list is more thorough, my list is more full. And so because of that, that I get to bring a more full and complete uh, me and him to me. So um, so just innately I'm going to draw something healthier to me because I've done the work on me. Incredible. So what characteristics would you say that one would need to work on within themselves to attract uh, the right relationship or, or the best relationship in their lives? Well, I, I, I like... Um, that you ask what to work on as if it's to obtain, what I want to expand that to be is to say, in order for you to hold on to some very powerful and awesome characteristics, you first have to let go of some toxic ones. Oh, hello, caller. <laughs> All right, now. So, I know I may step on a few toes. Let, let, let the host take some notes here. <laughs> well, let me pull out my pen now. Okay. I'm in class now. So, so, so here, here, here is the reality. But if you only had um, a 16-ounce glass, and right now it's full, but you're not getting what you want in your relationship, you need to pour some things out of that glass that's not serving you so you can fill it with some other things that complement you more. So before you're able to hold on to something new and wonderful, you need to let go of something old and toxic. So I would ask your listeners and recommend your listeners, what are you willing to look at and let go of 
um, some people won't, won't let go of something for the sake of being right. Mm-hmm. And then we say, well, that's just me. You know, if people can't have that, then they, they just can't be around me. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yes, and if the cycle is the same and you keep people keep coming through your life and leaving for that reason, you may want to revisit how much you want to hold on to that characteristic or how much you want to have you want to have partnership in life. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because some, some of us are more, we're more committed to, to snuggling up with our toxic characteristics for the sake of being right than we want to snuggle up with, with, with a wonderful person in life or, or with a great friend or something. That's right, you, that's you right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's amazing how people would rather be right than rather be free. Right. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. And, and, and humble. Rather be right than to be humble. Mm-hmm. Rather be right than to be accountable. Rather be right than to be wrong in that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I made an error. I was wrong. I made a poor decision. I was. I prayed wrong on Long Beach eight years ago. I was wrong. I prayed the wrong prayer. I was sitting in desperation. I was wrong in how I went about drawing a man into my life. I just, long about it, well, I just say that and I free myself. I was wrong. I did it wrong. I was wrong in accepting anything. I was wrong in not looking at the behaviors that I saw when I visited him when we were dating long distance. I was wrong. I made a poor judgment call. And then, forgive, and then guess what? Forgive myself for that. Aha, yes. Forgive yes. myself for that. Love Lisa through it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't ask you to love me through my junk if I'm not willing to love me through my junk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to model. I have to model the way I want you to love me. That's right. That's right. Now, this also ties into why we bring our past dramas and hurts and pains into the new relationship mm-hmm. and turn the new relationship into the past relationship. Absolutely. We project. It's like that hologram or whatever. We we brought it all in. See, I tell people all the time, you know, I didn't meet your ex-girlfriend. I'm bringing her into my relationship. Right. I didn't meet her. I, I, and, and you didn't meet my ex-boyfriend. I didn't meet your ex-boyfriend. People, are, people believe that there are some of their past experiences. Well, here's a newsflash. You are some of your current day choices. Mm. You're not a sum of your past experience. Mm. You're a sum of your current, present choices. Now, in your current choice, if you if you choose to project the past into the present, then your past becomes your present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is incredible. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, it's like you are a 24-chapter book. Now, the reality is the first 12 chapters of your life have already been written. Mm. And, there, and there are some things in those chapters that you really, really love. And there are some things in those chapters that, oh, my God, you wish you can erase what they're written in ink. You can't. Mm-hmm. There's some awesome decisions and there's some horrific mistakes. The, the wow. mistake that we make is that people, now, the second 12 chapters are blank pages because they haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. The first blank page is tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The mistake many of us make is we take the first 12 chapters and we photocopy them and we cut and paste them <laughs> into the next 12 chapters. If, if I haven't said uh, before in the past, you're incredible. <laughs> I just wanted to say that on a call just to have it live so everybody could hear that. Okay, thank you very much. That's right. Take that. Receive that, honey. I receive that. I receive it. But do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. We we cut and paste. Absolutely. 
make him or her pay. Don't make them pay for some for what you, what, what came up in the next. Everyone gets a winning start in my book. You know, my next one, he's going to come like he ain't never did anything because you haven't done anything to me. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Do you know that we've gone 45 minutes without a commercial break? How can people get in contact with you? Well, well, well. They can call. They can get in contact with me several different ways. They can go to my website. Uh, still being developed, but I have a lot of information on it. They have patients with us. It's Lisa Dash Nichols dot com. Again, that's Lisa Center Dash Nichols dot com. Uh, they can go to the uh, website for the book AfricanAmericanSoul dot com. Okay. Uh, no spaces, no um, no dashes, or call my company eight five eight three seven six. 3700 again that's 3700 fantastic uh, what I want to do is open up the lines to take some uh, questions and comments uh, from the so what you need to do, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is just hit six to unmute your lines. And if you have a question or a comment, uh, come on out on the call. And uh, I'll continue to ask uh, Lisa some questions. But before I do that, is there anyone out there that has a question or comment? Because sometimes it takes a moment for them to uh, unmute their lines. Uh, and I might have to unmute mine. Let's see how that works. Let's do that first. All callers are muted. All callers are unmuted. Okay, now we have an open call. Uh, so if you have a question or comment, come on out. Uh, Lisa, you have wowed us, and you have totally wowed me. <laughs> now, one of the things that I want to talk to you about, um, actually there's a question that came from Sharon Carrington. I believe Sharon is on the call tonight. Are you out there, Sharon? Yes, I am. Sharon sent a question. Well, well, let me ask, do you want to ask the question, Sharon, or should I read it for her? You can read it. That'll be fine. Okay. Sharon asks, how do you develop the atmosphere to attract the relationship uh, in your life if you travel so frequently? Uh, is that to me personally or in general to people? Uh, personally. Oh, for me personally? Um, no, 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 no. Well, personally to you, to the individual. Sharon, okay. Um, when you travel frequently, um, first, I think one of the first things to do is to ask yourself, what type of relationship do you want? Do you Are you okay with the relationship that is mobile and, that, and that's global? Is that okay with you if you're traveling frequently? Because then that will, that will impact how open you are when you're out of your home city. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so first, are you open to relationships with someone that, doesn't live in your home city because if not, you're going to be shut down when you when you travel. If so, you'll be open to possibility. The reason why I asked you asked me that personally because it's so funny. I've been traveling for the last six months. Every time I call you, you're in another I, state, I, continent, every, somewhere. Every every time you call me, so, so I can take that question very personally. Yes, you could. Is that for me? So 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 one is to give one is to give yourself permission to date globally, mm. to give yourself permission to not have it have to look like anything that's looked like before. Mm-hmm. Does that's that make very, sense? That's very good. Absolutely. So, yeah. so, so, so the first thing is to say, I give myself permission. You can say that. I give myself permission. To date globally. To date globally. Now, when you give yourself permission to date globally, then your energy shifts when possibility steps up and they're in D.C. or they're in Arkansas or they're in the Caribbean, 
because you've given yourself permission to dig globally. And then, and then next, um, be willing to find out what do you need in frequency. What do you need that doesn't look like anything you ever had? What do you need in frequency? Like, I know for a fact I need to see you twice a month. Mm, okay, you said that's, that's period. I know for a fact, now, if I see you more, great, but I know for a fact I'm needing to see you twice a month. They come to an early agreement. Is that okay with you? Don't get into the how-to. Ladies, we get into logistics way too quick. Men are, many men, everyone has a touch of the rule, but men talk about, okay, let's do this, and then women want to say how, <laughs> where. Don't, don't bother with all the details yet. Just come to some general agreements and then allow it to be worked out. Can we see each other twice a month if we start dating? Yes, we can. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Then don't push it after that. We have a tendency to gnaw, 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 called nag, nag, nag. We do have that because we are logistic and we're, we're, de- we're detailed to a certain degree. Um, but a lot, one, give yourself permission, and then two, identify what frequency do you need. Okay. And, then, and ask that up front. And give yourself permission to not have it look like it looks anywhere else. Okay. Incredible. Thank you for that, Sharon. Uh, any other questions or comments for Lisa Nichols? One of the things that I wanted to talk about and tagging onto this, and we talked about this, I think, when we, when you and I first talked, Lisa, you, you, you told me about the concept of, of making yourself undateable or, or not available. Right. Which I thought was fascinating, and I never con- even considered that concept. And I look back on my life and the work that I do, and I, that might have been an issue uh, for some of the relationships that I have uh, been in. Talk to us about making yourself unavailable and undateable because of your work or because of uh, what you do. Well, the first thing is that when people ask you uh, what your availability is, you say, I have none. Mm. I'm busy. Uh, people would ask me all the time, what do you do on the weekend? And I would give them a list of things from sun up to sundown. And I thought, I would, and entrepreneurs do this a lot. We as entrepreneurs, because we think that we're not allowed to rest. That's right. We're going to work, that we're so slacking on the job uh, because we work for ourselves. If we're not working, That's we're right. always working. Well, what, what people in, 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 in uh, friendships are trying to do when they ask us is they're trying to find a space where they can fit in. And if we fill every space with work, then no one could even approach us. I would meet guys uh, at a business something or whatever, and I'd see them six months later, a year, year later, two years later, and they'd say, well, I sure was interested in you, Lisa. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? He said, I did. I asked you what were you doing on the weekend, but you had every hour. I could. <laughs> so, we, so we make ourselves undateable. No one can even ask us because they don't want to impose on us if, if we seem like we're busy. But also, inside of a relationship, um, we replace intimacy for business. Mm. We, replace, we replace intimacy for, for strategic planning. We replace intimacy to talk about how to get to the next level, that there's never really any intimate time. Now, that's interesting because, as you said, intimacy is uh, into seeing me. Right. Um, some of us might be afraid to look within ourselves, yes. and so as a result of that, we will divert that attention away from ourselves and put it on work and blame it on something externally. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Now, we do, that, we do that often when we are more comfortable with our business than we are with our personal life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's package, it's design. I used to do that because I was, my business, I can facilitate the outcome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I know what the outcome was. I you can be the psychic, you know exactly. 
exactly what's exactly. going to happen. Exactly, but I didn't know what was going to happen in this relationship. And there's that word again, I'm vulnerable. Ah, you know? yes, so, um, yes. So, so it, it, it is very true. So we make ourselves undateable and unapproachable when we're, we're with each other but we're not connected, or it's hard for people to get with us because we're so busy. Uh, let me mute the lines and, and uh, ask a couple of more questions to you, Lisa, and then we will close it off because I know you are in Dallas right now actually working, getting ready to do a keynote. <laughs> well, actually, what's really funny is that I did 10 minutes of the keynote and told them I'll be back. And so I have about 40 people sitting inside this room <laughs> just patiently waiting for me to come back. <laughs> Hold on one moment. All callers are muted and may unmute themselves by pressing 6. As we wind this down, Lisa, I want to... Um, uh, just talk to you about um, what are your feelings on handling uh, a major pain in the relationship. Let's say that infidelity occurs in the relationship. Uh, the question is, when do you stay? Do you stay after, the, after it uh, happens? Do you try to make it work? Do you get out of it and say this is not tolerable? What, what position do you take uh, on infidelity in relationships? Um. <clears throat> I haven't, my, I'm going to tell you historically, historically um, I have left, um, uh, but that was the 28-year-old Lisa, the 25-year-old Lisa. I look at it now, and I do a lot of relationship coaching. I do a lot of business coaching. I do a lot of excellent coaching. And and one of the things I said I, to one of my uh, wives who was going through something similar, I said, have you done everything that you could possibly do? in this relationship yet? Mm -hmm. Have you tried every angle to make it work? She said, no. I said, well, then you stay. Mm. Until you've tried everything. You've mm -hmm. done everything you could do. And then once you've done everything you could do and it still isn't showing up correctly, it isn't working, then you then it's time to walk. But your, your goal is that you walk away with no regrets. You don't ever want to end a relationship and say, I could have done one more thing. Mm -hmm. I could have tried one. Mm -hmm. I, I, I never tried this. Try that. Exactly. Try that. Exhaust that. And when that doesn't work, say, can I try one more thing? Try everything you could try when you've made that commitment to marriage Try or, or relationship. Try everything you could try. And then once you've tried everything you could try and you can't keep it together, then have no regrets and move on. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Lisa, you are a blessing in my life and a blessing to the planet. I am so happy that uh, you showed up this way at this time and place. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.